Welcome to the CCF Podcast. We're a campus ministry at Truman State University. This podcast features sermons from our weekly worship services. Thanks for listening. called in sick this time it's it's supposed to be me it really is and here I am and I thought maybe I'll call in sick and I thought who would I call (laughs) no one came to mind hey everybody welcome back Uh, my name is Reed one of the staff folks here been here for a few years now Ezra works at Starbucks at Hy-Vee. I learned that today. (coughs) In all my years here, I never knew that I could learn such a thing, but I did. I learned it. Uh, If you're new here, welcome. Really glad you're here. Uh, You, we are here in this series on the Sermon on the Mount, aren't we, Polly? We're right in it. And uh, and here we go. This is uh, Tell the Truth, or Tell the Truth, or Tell the Truth, or Tell the Truth. You laugh. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but you shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. (sighs) So we've been riding this wave. It's been a little heavy um, of sermons. Actually, Marty Solomon texted me today. He got caught up on our sermons on our um, podcast. He's like, wow, you guys sound really weird when you're crying at two times speed. <laughs> it's like just a lot of crying going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, we must have really missed Jesus's very lighthearted tone in the Sermon on the Mount. We've had weeks now of uh, poverty of spirit and grief and disability and anger smashing heads through windows, and lust, and divorced. It's like you can just feel the like bleeding heart of a human life in all of these different issues and topics. And now we've come to this, to oaths. You know, oaths, those things that you spend all that time making and thinking about and that are a very central part of your life. It feels like we were speeding along an open highway, and we just got off the exit straight into a traffic jam. Just like, stop. Like, I got to talk about oaths? Not that I really relish talking about, you know, people dying or hearing about people getting divorced or anything like that. But, you know, that stuff has like like an electricity kind of to it. And and this, oaths, (coughs) in the same way that Like, righteousness is a word that you're apt to hear only in a church. Oath is a word that you're apt to hear only in a courthouse. When was the last time any of you solemnly swore an oath? Boy Scouts. (laughs) Boy Scouts still doing it right. 
Like when was the last time <laughs> when was the last time you even used the word oath? Yesterday. Okay. All right. My coaching group cuz we read this passage when we were talking about it. And yet here we are. Here we are. We don't say it a lot. We don't do it a lot. But Jesus said it, and Matthew has it here uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, and so we'd better slow down and listen to it. And I think we might find, as is pretty much almost always the case, uh, this teaching intersects with our daily lives that maybe don't seem quite, it doesn't quite seem obvious at first blush. So, oaths. An oath is a kind of promise, and the thing is, we make promises all the time. Every day, we make promises, whether we recognize them or not, uh, some big, some small, some by what we do, some by what we say. I wear my wedding ring. That's a kind of promise. Uh, I tell my kids, don't eat more snacks because dinner is coming. That's a promise. Um, I say, I'll text you back. Kind of promise. Often a broken one. These are all kinds of promises. But then you have oaths. And an oath is a promise that has to be backed by something more than just your own integrity or your own word. Like if we're really going to believe you, it's got to be on or by something. So when we say, with God is my witness, it's, it's basically a way of saying, what we're saying is, well, if God can see God who sees everything, if he would vouch for the truth of what I'm saying, and he does, your honor, then you can take it to the bank. I got God. He trusts me, and if you don't trust me, trust God. Of course, your word doesn't need to be bolstered by highfalutin guarantees uh, if you're the sort of person that people already know they can trust. It's enough just that you say it. But the world is full of people who are untrustworthy, or so we're told. Uh, so it's perhaps good news for people of no integrity and bad news for the more unsuspecting among us that oaths exist. They get things done. They move things along. It helps us function. It's its intermediary between us because I just don't believe you. Back in Jesus' day, maybe when folk were generally taking God more seriously than we do now, people were slower to say, God is my witness. I swear to God. I swear by God. Uh, it was seen as best to avoid swearing by God altogether if you could help it because you've got to keep the promises that you make to the big man upstairs, if not to anyone else. You've got to keep the promises when you bring God into it. As they say, as Jesus says, he quotes here, you shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. There's just no tricking him, okay? And he's definitely uh, someone with the tools to make sure that he can get paid when he's owed something. So don't swear by God. Don't do that because then you're bound. But swear by something. You, knowing that people are going to want their assurances, right, because they weren't born yesterday. They're just going to be duped. But wanting to dodge consequences in the event that intentional or accidental, that you fail to do what you said. You'd want to swear by something. Just don't make it too serious because you may not be planning to do it anyway. So you don't want to, you don't want to lowball. You don't want to swear by something really cheap that nobody's going to care, like nobody's going to buy what you're selling if you're like, I swear by the oil filter in my car. 
Best to find something that feels weighty and important, still technically avoiding God. Don't bring him into it. So the Pharisees, they thought uh, that swearing kind of vaguely by the temple, that was cool. You're safe. No worries. But by the gold of the temple, they were like, that's risky. I don't exactly understand why. But see Jesus' scathing review of the Pharisees in Matthew 23. He brings this up. They felt the same about, like, the altar. Like, yeah, you swear by the altar. That's cool. But by the gift on the altar, ooh, nice knowing you. There was this system of oath saying. I kind of imagine, you guys know the movie A Christmas Story? The kids are all standing around trying to get a kid to put his tongue on the pole. They're like, I double dog dare you. I triple dog dare you. And it's like once you say triple dog dare you, it's like there's no, you're, you're now bound. You've got to do it, right? So there's this whole system and if you play it right, if you swear by the right thing in a fancy, nice way, then you got people eating out of the palm of your hand. Uh, there's a guy I came across, Dan Doriani, never heard of him before, PhD, um, who wrote a commentary. And he said this. I really, there's an article I found online. And I, he said, the rabbinic teaching perverted the purpose of oaths with all of their calling on this, but not that. Do it this way, not that way, and be careful. He said, instead of calling on God to assure honesty, oaths were phrased so as to avoid God's punishment when speaking dishonestly. So they know what they're doing. They're trying to get you to come along, and they just want to do it in such a way that when it goes south or when they don't keep their word, it's like, ah, it's not so bad, which I, I know sounds so foreign to us because who talks this way? But think, that a whole deliberate, or a whole elaborate, hair-splitting system of promises was co-opted to enable deceit is, uh, to say the least, ironic, but sadly, unsurprising. And if you've ever had to deal with like law and contracts and stuff like that, we can recognize that a lot of our legalese can kind of do the same thing or a similar thing all these centuries later. And it just goes to show that our penchant as people for telling and hearing lies, it's just encoded like way down deep in our DNA. Like, do I, do I really trust what you are saying? How do I know? Can you give me some guarantees, some assurances? And it's not just lawyers who are doing this, by the way, with all their contracts and their stuff and we say this and we technically we're upholding the contract but actually there's a loophole we come around and we can actually still screw you anyway and so but hey it's all by the law it's upstanding it's not just them I have lawyer friends shout out to my lawyer friends Jackson Tyler I think we all know though something about how to massage the truth so that though it's still technically the truth it's a little less the truth and we come out a little more ahead and the way that we say things, like we don't swear oaths, like in this kind of elaborate pharisaical way, but we do know like the language game and we know how to play it. Like I, I thought of like swearing oaths as just putting costumes on language and we know how to do that. Jesus, he came along and he pointed out the silliness to the Pharisees of thinking that certain oaths involving God could be binding while others, other kinds of oaths can somehow not. Uh, that some oaths might involve God and that some 
don't. And he, he comes along in this passage and he says, basically, they all invoke God. They all involve God. Swear by heaven, it's God's throne. Swear by the earth, it's his footstool. Jerusalem, sorry, it's the city of the great king. That's God's man. Think you can swear just by your own head because it sits on your own neck? Who do you think made that? Did you make it? Do you control it? Who do you think made your mind? Who makes it grow and change? Who makes a hair white or black? God does. There's no way to get around swearing, promising, without somehow bringing God into it. If you really want to play this game, Jesus says, there's no way to swear by anything that doesn't drag God into it in the end. So promising by way of half-truths or half-lies, it can't be done. So Jesus says, here's your alternative, your mind-blowing, galaxy-altering alternative. Let what you say simply be yes or no. In other words, tell the truth. That's it. That's the sermon. Literally, really, that's all I have to tell you. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. I actually thought about standing here for 15 minutes and saying nothing but tell the truth, because I would do it. Would you sit here through that? How long before you would get up and leave? Or laugh? Or be like, ah, this is so dumb. But how many times, as soon as you walk out here, will you go massage the truth in just such a way where your yes isn't really yes, your no is not really no? Tell the truth. And after the sermons that you've been hearing this semester about gospels of Alexander and cities on hills and houses on morning, you're like, is that it? Yep, that's it. Tell the truth. Stanley Hauerwas, he's a theologian, he gave a commencement speech at the University of Aberdeen in Scotland. And his whole advice to this class of college students who were graduating and going out into the world, all of these people who are you in just a little while, you know what he said? His advice was this, do not lie. I'm with him. Do not lie. Tell the truth. It's not complicated. There's no need for smarty, farty, intellectual analysis. Tell the truth. Tell the truth about yourself. Tell the truth about the way that you see things. Tell the truth about what you know and tell the truth about what you don't know. It's not hard to understand what Jesus is saying. Speak plainly, tell the truth. It's not hard to understand, it's just hard to do. Even notice the passive way that Jesus says it here. Let what you say be yes or no. Like just let it happen. Telling the truth isn't complicated like rocket science. You don't have to make it happen. The truth wants to come out. You just have to not get in the way of it happening with your word massaging and language costuming. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And what he meant is that you can't hide what's inside forever. Eventually, it'll come out whether it's your uncertainty or whether it's your goodness or whether it's your total exhaustion, it'll come out. And what I want to say is that while, yes, Jesus, our language costumes do wear thin eventually, 
uh, we can actually hold out for a pretty long time. We can get pretty good at running the truth of the heart through the filter of the brain so that it comes out of the mouth sounding however we want it to sound. Do you know what I'm talking about? How sometimes we can even like spiritualize it and somehow like make it a, like a bonus. I'm talking about harsh truth here. There's also good truth. We have lots of reasons uh, for lying or for telling, failing to tell the truth. And I am drawing a distinction between those. Sometimes we do it because we're trying to be good. Like maybe we're trying to protect somebody else. Uh, maybe we're trying to preserve something that we cherish. We do this a lot with relationships. We use our language and flattery to kind of disguise our yes or our no because we're afraid that the truth will destroy this thing that we want. I think a lot of actually our non-truth telling comes down to being afraid of what will happen. Sometimes we fail at telling the truth kind of in an accidental way. We think we know the truth and we speak up when we really don't know. Maybe it should give us pause or maybe just a little shade to how confidently we declare things that maybe we don't actually know. Sometimes, though, it's intentional. Like, like we know that we don't know for sure, but we feel as if something very great is at stake if we are seen as being uncertain. And so we speak as if we know, because God forbid we don't know. We do this a lot with our God speech. We are in an argument or a conversation with somebody who thinks differently than we do or who disagrees or who doesn't believe. And we feel as though everything is at stake and riding on this. And so I say something as if I know it to be the truth when it's like, I actually, I don't know. Whatever the reason that we have for our non-truth telling, Jesus says unequivocally this, let what you say simply be yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. Ooh. I'm trying to recognize here that some of us have very sympathetic or even noble reasons for frilling up or dressing down our words. But somehow, even if the intention is good, even if they're in the name of God, we can be, think we're swearing by God. Jesus says we're actually working for evil when we start employing verbal gymnastics. He says instead, tell the truth. Lean into the truth. Wherever it takes you, and I know you're scared of where that might be, in the end, I promise it will be good because it will be real. And what's real is good, and everything else is just false. Let what you say be either yes or no. No pretense, no doctoring. If what's in the heart is going to come out anyway, let it out while you have a choice in the matter. Tell the truth. Let what you say be yes or no. So let us tell the truth. Let us tell the truth about ourselves which is, as Jeremiah said, that we have hearts that are crooked, grievously ill, 
that no one can fathom? You guys know that verse? The heart of man is desperately sick. Who can understand it? And yeah, we can say that at like a high, like human-wide scale. It's true of all of us, but when the focus narrows from this thing that is true of all of us down to the very specific ways that it is true of me individually, who among us at that point doesn't freak out a little, try to spin or spiritualize or do something to soften the blow, and like I said, maybe even turn it to our credit? Let what you say be the truth. Let what is there be spoken of as it is. And let us tell the truth about the world around us, which is that it does not always make sense and is not always fair and is not happily progressing towards some blissful state all of its own. There are people who are like this, like, ah, everything's fine. Life coaches, salesmen, we're, I am, I don't know about you, I'm suspicious of people who let what they say only ever be yes. It's always yes. Everything's positive, everything's working out, don't look behind the curtain, nothing to see here. Flaws get turned into strengths. Their yes is yes, but somehow it also seems like their no is also always yes too. Friends, if we will not speak honestly of the darker parts of ourselves and of the world, then who, including ourselves, will really believe us when we want to speak of what is deeply and truly good. If we cannot tell the truth of the darkness as it is, if we can't just say, I was wrong, I messed up, I am incapable, how will we come to know anything of grace or of mercy? Let us tell the truth, not just about the darkness, but about the light as well, because it's not just that the heart of us is desperately wicked and sick because the truth is also that we are deeply, unshakably beloved, that the world is created good and that we are created good and beloved of God, full stop, no conditions, no qualifications, no costumes, no dressing it up, no dressing it down. We are the beloved of God. You are the beloved of God, full stop. Nothing else to add to that. Some of us struggle with this side. Some of us somehow want to downplay it or distort it. Rather than like everything always being a yes, some of us go the other way. People like me who love like movies that are bummers. We're cynical, uh, we're mopey, we're pitiful about what is joyful and good. We take the yeses, our belovedness, the incredible things God has put in us, the staggering beauty of the world, and we make them no's. Nah, not really, but also you're a piece of crap, theologically speaking, or whatever. Stop using God for that, please. If we're suspicious of the yes men, uh, then I think we're exhausted by the no men. To let 
What we say simply be yes or no is to tell the truth, but to let what we say only be yes or only be no is a falsehood. So let us tell the truth about ourselves and the world around us, and let us tell the truth of God as well, the truth about God, which is that sometimes he seems absent in the times when we most need him to be present, and sometimes he surprises us with presence when really all I wanted was like, a half hour of the office. Let us tell the truth of what we believe and also what we don't believe about God. And also let us admit when we're unsure of what we believe. Let your yes be yes and your no be no and let your I don't know be I don't know. Don't lie, tell the truth. And for God's sake and for ours, let us tell it in love. Let us tell it in love for the ones that we're speaking to, whether that be ourselves or others or God. Tell the truth because words mean something. Words actually mean everything, to be precise. They're how we make meaning of the world. Not only that, it's not just that uh, words interpret and classify and describe and synthesize. Words actually create. They shape reality. They're like the closest thing that we have to magic. God created the world by speaking. And with words, we can also call things into being. Not like Harry Potter with configuration and transfiguration, more powerful than that, better and worse than that. Don't believe me? Have you ever felt yourself plunged into a prison of shame after someone spoke harshly to you? Was that shame real? Was it created by a word? Have you ever felt your very self called forth after someone spoke words of encouragement to you? You guys know the spring break bags? Keep them. I have all of mine from every year. They are magic. You know what I'm talking about. Was it as though someone or you discovered something new in yourself? Someone saw you maybe just for once in your life, and when they said what they saw out loud, you almost felt as though you were being called into being, almost like it wasn't just discovery, but like it was creation, because their words did that for you, to you. You guys know what guilt feels like? Have you ever felt guilt swept away? when someone you wronged said, I forgive you? Like, was it, was it almost like magic, the way that suddenly there was lightness and freedom that seemed impossible because before there was only dread and heaviness and this feeling of wasting away? Words matter. They have the power to create.
They have the power to destroy. But when we speak falsely, we rob them of their power. When we use flattery about ourselves or the world or God himself, when we resort to oaths, when we speak from anywhere but the honest truth inside ourselves, we rob them of their power. When we will not let what we say be yes or no, when it's always yes, but let me also say, and when you look at it like this, and really what I mean is the truth, which is the only thing that really has power, can get lost in the shuffle. So take it seriously and let what you say simply be yes or no. Do not lie. Tell the truth. Jesus says the world is dying to know the truth, the truth of its sickness as well as the truth of its belovedness. And if we're always putting costumes on our words, then all the world will ever see is a mask. <clears throat> and so may we tell the truth, and may we tell the truth, and may we tell the truth, and may we tell the truth. Let's pray. What we want, Lord, what we need is first to know, to really believe that we are beloved, that your grace is, a, is everything, that all is grace, that we are walking in it, breathing it, swimming in it. We need to believe that so that we cannot be afraid. Because the truth is that sometimes we trample over it, the grace. Sometimes we act as though we are not your beloved. And there are all kinds of things that come with that. And we have great power to hide, to manipulate, to deceive others and ourselves with our words. What we need, Lord Jesus, is your spirit and courage to let what we say be yes or no.